All right, good morning, Dorisville Baptists. We are so glad that you are joining us today in a different way. We are welcoming my over 100 people are tuned in um, this morning. makes me tear up a little bit. This morning on Facebook, we've got the radio going. The video will be up this afternoon. The church, I love what Brent said. The church is still the church. It's not a building, it's a people. You're going to hear that over and over again today. I thank David so much. What a powerful song this morning, you know. I love the fact that our fear is in subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ. I am not a slave to fear. I am a child of God. So thank you so good for the great worship. Well, listen, as you know, we scrapped our worship, uh, the sermon series that we had going, and we chose to do one over the next several weeks uh, leading up, actually, probably all the way to Easter, and talking about fear. Talking about fear and overcoming fear. Because these are fearful days. I stood before you last week and said that, you know, how different last week was from the week before. We had well over 300 people um, in worship. We were celebrating sending Chris and Kim and hope they're watching today all the way in Spain. And uh, we, you know, we celebrate all of that the very next week. The schools had closed, um, and all of a sudden the coronavirus had come very much a part of our lives. Uh, things definitely had changed. We had still had a couple hundred people. And would you dream a week later, you know, we're at a stay-home order and we're worshiping online. So that shows you how our lives change. And I want to say this over and over again. Every day I'm surprised about something. But I want you to know something, that God is not surprised. God is not surprised. He, nothing catches him. He never has that moment when he goes, oh, I didn't see that coming. God knows and God sees. Amen? God knows and God sees. So rest in Him. He's got that. Well, in our second message today, we want to talk about peace in the eye of the storm. In the eye of the storm. You know, I watched a series this week on hurricane hunters. Very interesting. I love documentaries like that. And um, in, in that series, it talked about how these aircraft, the P-3s, fly right into the storm. And if you look on the screen there, oh, i got to stop and pause for a moment. Don't forget the worship app today, okay? Open your version. Go down to the lower right corner. Go up there to events. Click on that. Everything you need for the sermon is right there in the worship event, including this picture we're seeing. That is a picture of Hurricane Dorian from several years ago taken from the space station. And you can clearly see the eye of the storm. And sometimes, though, the eye is not that obvious. In fact, at earlier on in a storm called Leslie, the hurricane hunters went out there and discovered there was no defined eye. So the hurricane hunters know when they pierce the eye of the storm because there's actually a wall of clouds and they break into almost usually a beautiful blue sky. All around them, the storm is swirling, okay? Yet in the middle of that eye, there's calm. Sometimes the only way they know they're in the eye of the storm is the wind. If it's not well defined, okay, when the wind drops, sometimes near zero, they know they're in the eye of the storm. I'm trying to tell you this. The eye of the storm is not a bad place to be. It's a good place to be because it is a place of peace. So today we want to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 15, and we're going to look at what Paul talks about. Now, now don't forget something. This is so important. You know, Philippians is known as the book of joy, Okay, so, so we have this, this book, and it's, it's written by a guy who's locked in a Roman prison. Okay, you know, we think that stay-at-home orders are tough. Imagine being chained to Roman guards, locked up in a Roman prison, yet he's writing these encouraging words to us. You know why? Paul's in the eye of the storm. He, the winds are swirling around him, but he is in a time of peace. So today, we want to look at 
what is going to be called the Four Horsemen. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this. In 1924, the Notre Dame football team was incredible. But what was most incredible was the backfield of the Notre Dame football team. So incredible was it that they named them the Four Horsemen after the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Okay, so, so these four football players were so well-known, so strong, so invincible, they named them the four horsemen. Well, I want to give you, first off, the four horsemen of overcoming fear. Um, uh, four things, four truths that Paul gives us, watch this, in one verse. In one verse. He gives us four powerful things that will help us overcome our fear. So we become, uh, become impregnable, to, impregnable to this thing called fear. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 1. And look at these four horsemen, the four overcomers of fear. First off, notice what he says in the first part of verse number 1. He says this. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any encouragement in belonging to to Christ. You know, this, this is a strong word. This word encouragement, I, this, I, I love studying for sermons because you learn things, you know. I learn it, then you get to learn it. Maybe you already know it. But the word encouragement is very interesting there. It's the same word that Jesus used in John 14, 6, and he said this. You know, I'm going to ask the Father, and the Father is going to send you another comforter. Now, he was the comforter that was with them then, okay, but God was going to send another comforter like him. And the word, the Greek word is parakletos, okay? It means comforter. It means one called alongside. That is the word that Paul uses here. So, so when he says, is there any comfort? He's saying, is there any parakletos? Is there one called alongside of you? And that encouragement is just not, you know, it's not Norman Vincent Peale saying, you know, think positively, all right? It's not that. That helps in difficult times, but it won't be an overcomer. What makes this an overcomer is, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? That's so incredible. We belong. Now, the song goes, now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. See, we belong to Jesus. And there's a quote that says this. Whenever you feel unloved. Whenever you feel unloved, the encouragement of belonging to Jesus will make you feel loved. He says, and the quote says, you know, if you feel unimportant, if you feel insignificant, just remember this. You belong to Jesus. And, and if you're feeling insecure, don't we feel insecure in these days? You know, what's next? What's next? What's next? Okay. What, what's going to happen next? If you're feeling insecure, whoa, whoa, whoa. You belong to the creator God of the universe. You belong to the creator God of the universe. You belong to Jesus. Remember, remember to whom you belong. Remember to whom you belong. You don't belong to the evil one. You don't belong to your circumstances. You, you don't belong to, oops, what might happen. You don't belong to your life being a series of accidents. You belong to God Almighty. If you're a child of God, you belong to God Almighty. And remember this, the price he paid for you. Now listen, this cross is so significant. If you ever, if you ever want to doubt, well, does God love me? You know, has God forgotten me? You just remember the price he paid. 
The price was the blood of his own son, son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in a crisis time like this, when things are so difficult, when you think, I don't, I don't feel loved, I, don't feel, I feel so insecure, remember this, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you belong to God. And remember the price he paid, the life of his very own son. You know, I, 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 I got thinking about the currency of love. Do you know what the biggest denomination bill was in the U.S. currency? Charlie, you should know. You're a banker. $10,000. $10,000 was the largest bill. No, there wasn't a million-dollar bill. Okay? $10,000. And here's how it went. It went, y'all know the hundred. We still got Ben around. Okay? So there was the hundred... There was the 500, there was the 1,000, and there was the $10,000 bill. It was pulled in 1969 because of lack of use. Okay, and by the way, if you got one tucked away, one is worth more than face value, and two is still legal tender. Okay, all right? So $10,000 was the biggest bill. But in the currency of love, there's no higher denomination than the cross. You, we have, listen, in these times of coronavirus, we have got to focus on the cross because the cross is God's megaphone to us that he loves us, he cares for us, and he will not forget us. It says forever, I love you and you belong to me, to me. In Romans chapter 31, this verse ties in so nice with that thought. In verse 31 of Romans chapter 8, he says this, what then... This is Paul. What then are we to say about these things? Gosh, is that applicable or what? What should we say about these things? Uh, What shall we say about the coronavirus? What shall we say about the stock market? What shall we say about the economy as a whole? What shall we say about unemployment? What shall we say about a big disruption in our life? What shall we say to these things? You know what Paul's answer is? If God is for us. Now, I need to pause there because that word if is one of those words in the Greek can go two ways, and there are several times it's more appropriate, and this is one of those times. Rather than say if, it can readily translate into the word since. Since God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hey, Mr. Coronavirus, if God is for us, who can be against us? Hey, stock market, if God is for us, who can be against us? Hey, fear, if God is for us, who can be against us? Hey, hey, uncertain times, if God is for us, who can be against us? What great words from Paul. And, and listen to this, listen to this. Look at verse 32. He did not even spare his own son. He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How much is he for us? At the expense of the life of his son. Now, folks, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. Creator God. Not, not some make-believe uh, you know, idol on a shelf somewhere. Not some God that we've created to make us feel better. But Creator God is on our side. And if he's for us, who can be? Against us. So, so the first horseman is the horseman of encouragement. Be encouraged, not arbitrarily so, but as a Christian, as a Christ follower, you belong to God. The second one is this. All in the same verse now. In verse number one, he's then asked this question Is there any comfort from his love? Is there any comfort from his love? That, that word comfort there means to console. 
console. Um, how many times have you gone to the funeral home and, and you know, you're they're greeting the family at the, at the casket and you reach up and you embrace them and generally, I don't know how this all started, but the patting on the back thing, I love to sit on the front row at visitations and watch people go, pop, 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 pop. Bop, 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 bop. Yeah, we love to pat people on the back. I'm not sure where it started. Don't know. But it's a sign of I'm consoling you. And you hug them and you embrace them. And you say something like this. You say something like, I'm so sorry for your loss. I hurt with you. I grieve with you. So, so Paul says with that word in mind, is there any consolation in or from? Now again, not just any consolation. Not, not someone just saying, I'm really sorry you're going through this difficult time. That's nice. But the consolation that is an overcomer is one that comes from his love. His, oh, Paul's here. His love. He he really loves you. He really loves you, audience. He really cares for you. You know, in 1 John 3, 1, it says this. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Now, this is how great his love is. The love is so great that he calls us his children. The, the action agent of salvation, the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, yes, but, but the action agent of our salvation is God's love. We, we didn't love him first. You know, Dave, we didn't love him first. He loved us. He loved us. And I love this word lavish. You, know, you may be sitting at home today and you're sitting there in your pajamas at church. How cool was that? I actually thought about wearing my pajama bottoms today. It had been weird. It had been too weird. It would freaked you all out forever. You'd have the image forever burned in your brain. But you might be sitting at home today and you're, you're having church at home. And you may be having your cup of coffee. Now, real people like me, you know, and you know, I drink my coffee black. I want it black, I want it hot, and I want it strong. But some people like their coffee just a little different. So, so you go to the refrigerator, and you get that Italian sweet cream. My wife loves Italian sweet cream, okay? And she'll, she'll have a little coffee with her Italian sweet cream. So she dumps that in there, and just in case that's not quite sweet enough, we're going to pour in about three tablespoons of sugar, all right? That may be how you're having your coffee. You, you know what you did? You lavished on your coffee. You lavished on your coffee. The other day, you know, Nan brought a piece of, of cake to Judy. I said, where's my piece? He said, Dwayne, you're watching your sugar. I said, not during this crisis. I said, bring it on. Bring it on. Okay, but, but here's the deal. The other night, we had, we had waffles. Okay, now the frozen kind. Okay, now I want you to know, all those who are concerned about your pastor's diabetes, okay, I had sugar-free syrup, but I actually put a little butter on it. That, that's not bad for you if you're diabetic. But, but then I put that peanut butter all over it, and I smathered it in sugar-free syrup. Shoot that thing, son. You know, let me tell you something. That's how, that's how God, that's how God lavishes his love. He, he don't, whoo, come on now. He don't sprinkle his love on you. He don't say, well, here, here, we're going to play like brill cream love. A little dab will do you. He, he dumps it on. God, he dumps his love. So we're in this crisis today and your world's falling apart. You need to understand something. We have consolation from his love. And it's not a dab and it's not a sprinkle. It's a bucket full. He just dumps his love upon us. You know, I discovered oh, probably four or five years ago now, this wonderful verse in Zephaniah 3.17, you know, where it says, For the Lord your God is living among you. Now, that's good enough. That's true. The Holy Spirit, 
The Holy Spirit lives amongst us and in us. Okay? Um, he is a mighty Savior. This God is. He's a mighty Savior. He will take... Now watch. He will take delight in you with gladness. He will take delight in you. It's not a forced love. It's not a forced thing into the family. You, know, you may think you're one of those people that, that your mom used to tie a bone around your neck so the, kids would, so the dogs would play with you. You know, you may feel that way. You know, some people really wrestle with self-esteem. I want you to know something. If you're a child of God today, okay, he, he takes delight in you with gladness. When, when you come to his mind, when you come to his mind, it's thoughts of gladness. It's, thoughts, it's not thoughts of, oh, why did we let him in for? God never sees you as a failure. God never bemoans the fact, uh, bemoans the fact that, he, that he saved you. He's glad you're in the family. Amen? He's glad you're in the family. So, so he will take delight in you with gladness. And I love this. With his love, he will calm your fears. Isn't that appropriate for today? With his love, he will calm your fears. You know, 1 John 4.18 says this. That... that there's no fear in love. It's the first part. There's no fear in love. And perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. So Zephaniah says it this way. Years and years and decades and, and millennia before. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God sings over you. God sings over you, audience. That's just a wonderful thought. And that's why we can have consolation in his love. You know, I would hate to go through life without Judy. I always said, you know, we've always talked about, you know, well, not always, it's not like we sit around going, so what's going to happen if you die? You know, we don't do that. I mean, but, you know, we have conversation, and, you know, I said, well, if you die first, I'm getting a dog. I'm getting a dog. She said, Dwayne, a dog won't do it. It will not wash your clothes. It will not keep your books, and it will not cook your food. She's probably right about that, all right? All right? But here's the deal. Here's the When he calms all my fears and rejoices over me with joyful songs, I want you to know something. That God will be there. I, w- I don't know what I would do if Judy died, but God will always be there. God will always be there. He, he rejoices over me with joyful songs. So the third horseman is fellowship. The third horseman is fellowship. All in the same verse. It says, is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? Is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? Now, obviously, we're doing things different. You know, I, I, I should probably get an email this week from somebody saying, have we ever done this before? Is this new? <laughs> it is new, and as far as I know, we've never done it before in this long of a stretch of time, okay? And by the way, we're going to be great because the church is still the church. See, see the, Brent, you said it. You know, the church is not a building, Okay, some, some people say the church isn't the church unless the lights are on. That's not true. The church is not a building. The church is a people. So we are the church today. The few that we have here that were on the praise team today are in the building of the church. But out there amongst all the folks in Selene and Harrisburg and maybe beyond that uh, later on because of YouTube and because of, of streaming on the radio, you know, it's just possible that, that hundreds of people. Hundreds of people are still being the church. In fact, may I say this? You know, here's the thought. You know, the church is the church maybe more today than ever. Uh, saw, saw a t-shirt. Saw a t-shirt. And actually, I saw a picture of a t-shirt. And Jesus said, oh, look at this. This is good. And it said, the church has left the building. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Because, you know, you've heard the joke before. 
Elvis has left the building? Well, too long, and if you've been to any kind of conferences or revival meetings at all, you've heard this. You know, the church needs to get out of the building and be the church. Well, God just helped us out. We finally, I can listen, I can't wait to get back together with my church family in this building, and we're going, woohoo, worship like crazy. But I'm telling you, there's so much ministry outside these walls, and the circumstances are such, we've got a great opportunity to be the church like never, never before. Yes, the church has left the building, but that may or not be a bad thing. It may be something we needed during this time. In fact, God doesn't waste anything. Amen? God doesn't waste anything. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for what he is working out. You know, I love Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. For there is one body, there is one spirit, just has been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and, and all and living through all. Well, Dwayne, why, why would God allow it? <laughs> Tell you what, I'll write a book if I figure it out. We'll all get rich together if I figure it out. I'm not going to figure it out. Because God didn't ask me to understand. He just asked me to trust Him. But, but there's an interesting scripture. I'm thinking about, again, the church leaving the building. There's an interesting scripture in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Let me read it to you. At that time, and this is right after the martyrdom of Stephen, the first deacon, one of the first deacons. Okay, So he's stoned to death. Okay, Saul is getting fired up. At that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the, the regions of Judah and Samaria. God just scattered his church for a while. Not, not forever. Not forever. This is going to be in the rearview mirror. It didn't come to stay. It's going to come to pass. Normalcy is in the windshield. We look back and see normalcy. Well, normalcy is in the windshield. Our world hasn't changed forever. Unless it's for the better. Unless it's for the better. But remember this then. God has us scattered for a while. Look for your reason. Is it your neighbor? Is it your neighbor? Hey, hey, you know, is it, so you can call and say, hey, do you need something from the store? I'm going to the store. Has this caused you to pray for your neighbor in a way you've never prayed before? Is this called for you to pray for your children like you never had before? Is this time for you to be closer to your husband or to your wife? God doesn't waste anything. He's got a reason, and he's got a purpose. So the fourth horseman is this. He says in the same verse, I can't believe he got all this in one verse, all right? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And there's a real play in words here also, okay? So the words in the New Living Translation, the words heart and tender, this is weird now, hang on, okay? The words heart and tender combine to make one word. You know what that word is? Compassion. Now wait, Dwayne, you got the word compassion right there. I know, I'm just telling you, in the Greek language, okay, hearts and tender combine to make compassion. In fact, guess what? It's the exact same word, it's the exact same word that Jesus used in the parable of the Good Samaritan. When the Good Samaritan comes along, he sees the guy broken and dying. He had... Compassion on him. He had compassion on him. That's the exact same word that hearts and tender come together to make. Well, then you've got to ask the question, well, Dwayne, what does compassionate mean then? It means sensitive. Sensitive. So here's the deal. You know, 
Paul is asking, do you have sensitive compassion? You know, we need sensitive compassion. You know, it's awful easy to be harsh with people. You know, it's awful easy to be harsh with people. When, when we see people doing things we wouldn't do, Okay, like there was a lady who broke curfew kind of down in Murray and went to church and spread the germs around. And man, the community's really fired up. Probably rightfully so. But we need to be sensitively compassionate during these times. That's what Paul's asked. That's what Paul asked. Do we have a tender, compassionate heart? Hey, do we have a Jesus heart? Do we have a Jesus heart? These are times to have Jesus hearts. Now, Now watch, watch this, watch this, watch this. In Ezekiel 36, 26, you'll probably know the scripture. Ezekiel 36, 26. Now watch. God says this. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. Here was my question. You know what popped in my brain, Carrie? What popped in my brain was, is God doing a heart transplant? Is God doing a heart transplant? And let me, I'm all, can, can I just be candid with you? I'm not so sure it's a heart transplant for the nation as much as it might be a heart transplant for the church. For the church. Is God using this to break us down so He can build us up to be the church that God wants us to be? Is He giving us the opportunity to be the church He's called us to be? He said, I'm going to take out your stony denominationalist heart. I'm going to take out your stony I'm better than you heart. I'm going to take out your, your I'm better than you because I go to church heart. I'm going to take out your stony stubborn heart and I'm going to give you a tender, I'm going to give you a tender responsive heart. A heart that responds to people in their pain and in their suffering. Maybe, just maybe, God is doing. What's God doing, Dwayne? What's God doing? Maybe he's doing a heart transplant. And by the way, when the church gets a heart transplant, there's a good chance the nation's going to follow. This is such a great opportunity for the church to be the church. It's a great opportunity for the church to be the church. Now, he, someone said, I don't have a reference for this. It says this, some people, some people are hurting so bad some people are hurting so bad, you have to do more than preach a message to them. Isn't it easy to preach? It's easy to give a message to them. Watch, watch, watch. The guy said, you have to be a message to them. So we don't preach a message with our words. We preach a message with our lives. With our lives. It's a wonderful thing. Whether we are sheltered in place or not. I don't know how long. Listen, I don't know how long this is going to go on. But I know this. It's not a time to retreat. It is not a time to slow down. It is not a time to do business as usual. It's not a time for retreat. It's a time to charge forward. It's a time for the church to be more of the church than it has ever, ever been before. It's time for the church to be the church. Now, that's the first four, and I'm looking at the clock, and we got time. But who cares? That's the beauty of all this, okay? So anyway, so, so then we had the first four horsemen, and now he gives us four more horsemen. Now, these are different, but the same. These are different, but the same. This, the first off in Philippians 2 now, finally got the second verse. In Philippians 2, the second horseman is the strength of an overcomer. The strength of an overcomer. Look what it says. Paul says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly 
with each other. Now, that doesn't mean we become robots and we all just agree, 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 okay? We agree on the essentials and we have to agree that it be on the non-essentials, okay? So, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving each other, and then working together with one mind and purpose. Now, my first intention was to talk about Dorsville. It's important now for Dorsville to agree wholeheartedly with each other, okay? And it's important that Dorsville loves one another. It's important that we work together with one mind and one purpose because the common denominator is Jesus Christ. But then all of a sudden, that was small thinking. It's not just time for Dorsville to do that. It's time for the church of God to do that. It's time for the body of Christ to do that. Unfortunately, that's one thing I haven't seen. I haven't seen after 9-11, you know, first off, the Democrats and Republicans got together, and that was really weird, okay? But then the church came together. It did not matter what denomination you were. Now, I'm not crazy enough standing up here. We ought to, you ought to agree and work with every denomination out there because some of them flatly contradict the gospel. But those who are like-minded in their faith and like-minded and believe the gospel, this is a time for us to pull together and be the church. If we're going to see revival in these times, it's time for the Methodists to learn how to get along with the Baptists and the Baptists with somebody else. It's time for the church to come together. It's time for the church to wholeheartedly come together, agree with one another, to love one another, and work together with one mind and one purpose. You know why that's important? Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. And by the way, man, you know what this was? This is what that guy was talking about. He went to that city to start a church without, I heard, no denomination, no support. And then somebody told him about how he could come together with a group and get the job done better. Exactly what he's saying here. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple-branded cord is not easily broken. There's strength in numbers. And as the body, the true, let me just be clear, the true body of Christ comes together, there is strength in numbers. Mark Warren said this, as Christians, we're called to belong, not just to believe. We're called to belong, not just to believe. We are not meant to live lone ranger lives. Us four, no more. If you don't use a certain translation of the Bible, I'm sorry, I can't fellowship with you. If you don't have a certain color carpet, I can't fellowship with you. Okay? We are not meant to live long ranger lives. Instead, we are to belong to Christ's family and be members of his body. So the second horseman of the second and first group, the first group was one. We are to have strength as overcomers. We also have the heart of an overcomer. Heart of an overcomer. This is verse 3 and 4. Don't be selfish. Hey, share your toilet paper. I know you've got 48 rolls at home. Barring a bad case of indigestional trouble, you don't need that much. I'm being facetiously funny. What is up with toilet paper? What's the deal? I don't know. But don't be selfish. This is, by the way, David, that was the point when I told a joke and there was no one here to laugh. That was the point. <laughs> that was the point. All right? So, so anyway, so, so don't be selfish. Don't try to impress people. I'm, we're, more, we're not going to cancel church because we're more spiritual than y'all are. Oh, come on. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than themselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others 
too. These are times... And by the way, do you know why we're not having church the regular way today? It's not because the governor said so. It wasn't that way all week. The decision we made early, it was not because the government said we can't. It's because it's best for the people. We're trying our best to be not selfish. We're trying to protect. We're trying to protect our people and other people. That's why we did this. That's why we did this. All right? So, so he says, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in the hearts of others. Now, I love this. It's funny and it's true. Don't judge someone just because they sin differently than you. I love that. Don't judge someone just because they sin differently. You know, the liars judge the bigots, the bigots judge the adulterers, the adulterers judge. Hey, we're all sinners. Hey, folks, we're all sinners. Don't judge one another just because they sin differently than you. And that leads us to the mind of the overcomer. I'll just mostly read through this. It, It stands by itself. You must have the same attitude, Paul says in verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Mm. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He was the one person who could claim the God, play the God, God card. Did you know, no matter what room Jesus went into, he was the most important person. I know we think we are sometimes. But no matter what room he walked into, he was always the most important in the room. But guess what? He never played it. He never played that card. Not one single time. Okay? Now, he chose, rather, a slave's towel and a basin of water. He could have played the God card and said, I'm not washing your feet. You know, that's somebody else's job. He took his robe off, started washing feet. You know why? That's what Jesus does. Guess what the church needs to do? It needs to pick up a towel and basin and serve however that looks like. It may be, it may be delivering meals to students. It may be, again, taking care of your elderly neighbor. Okay? It may be being kind at the store. Um, there's, <laughs> there's one pack of toilet paper left. And just when you're fixing to reach out for it, this person grabs your toilet paper. Instead of going, oh, yeah, you say, that's okay. The laugh isn't going to come. It's really kind of weird. It's really kind of strange, all right? So Thomas Watson said, a sight of God's glory humbles. A glimpse of God's glory humbles. The stars vanish when the sun appears. It's time for the stars to vanish because the sun has appeared. It's time for us to let Jesus shine. Jesus shine. Jesus shine. And lastly, we've got the reward. We've got the reward. In verse 9 through 11, After that, therefore God highly, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that's above all other names, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He must shine. He must increase and we must decrease. Now, there's coming a time when all this is going to be history. And we're going to be standing before Jesus. And the highest prize is going to be hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. 
the toys we accumulate, the titles, the portfolios, all of that just simply will not matter. Simply won't matter. But hearing well done, good and faithful servant, certainly, certainly will. So let me just read these last two verses to you. Again, they were kind of a conclusion, but they're very good. In verse number 12, Paul says this, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now, in this present crisis, and now that I'm away, is even more important. Work hard. Church, let's work hard. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Now watch, watch, watch. This is what he's up to, okay? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He finishes up. Do everything without complaining. I got to confess. I'm tired of no. So, today, I was supposed to leave to go to a pastor's conference. I was excited. Over the Billy Graham, Billy Graham Train Center, we are going to leave after church today. We're going to go, and they're going to wine and dine us. And I was going to hear some great Bible preaching. And here came the call. We had to cancel. I don't want you to cancel, I said. Then it occurred to me and Judy that we're scheduled for a vacation. We're going to go to California. We're going to ride the train out and fly the plane back. It ain't going to happen. Doggone it. Stop my foot. So to show you how desperate I was. So Thursday, I had a doctor's appointment. Now, it wasn't like heart. It wasn't, it was a skin check. Now, I know that's not important. But I was going to get out of town. I may, get a, I may go to Chick-fil-A through the drive-thru, but I was going to get something to eat in Paducah. I wanted to go. And my wife said, would you really put me in danger? Don't you know those cooties are all around? And you're going to get, they're going to jump on you and then jump on me? I want to go to the doctor. No. Well, I didn't go to the pastor's retreat. And I didn't go on vacation. And I didn't get to go to the doctor. In rebellion, I went to Best Buy yesterday. Any place. Any place but 217. Do everything without complaining, Dwayne. Do I like doing church this way? I think it's refreshing. I wish it was just one week. But, you know, let's do everything without complaining. You know, it's important people see us being godly. And complainers usually aren't very godly. Amen? Amen. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives. I love this. Shining, light, bright lights. This is a dark world. Now people are really, listen, people are really afraid. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse. Jesus said this way, Let your light so shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to God, your Father, through Jesus Christ. Let everyone see your good works. So there you go. Four overcomers, four overcomers, four horsemen, four horsemen. Now listen, I know this sounds like a preacher, and that's okay. Of all the people who do not need to be afraid, it's believers in Christ. 
I've been, I've been writing some articles on Facebook, and I sign, try to sign the same way every time, okay? You know, rest in Him, God's got this. Rest in Him, God's got this. Now, you're listening on Facebook out there. I'm pretty sure my audience today in the building are all Christians, but maybe you're listening today, and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, today would be that day. You know, give me a holler, a 499-0070. I may not be able to come to your house right now, but we can talk over the phone. I love to share with you about Jesus Christ and how he is, he's the fear remover. I called him last night in an article, he's the dragon slayer, the, the, the dragon being death and sin and the grave. So if you need to trust Jesus Christ as Savior today, I hope you'll do that. And again, if I can help you, if we can help you, uh, do that. We'd love to do that. And if you're a Christ follower today and you're worshiping at home, I really pray this has been beneficial to you. And I pray right now we're going to have a worship song, and maybe right there where you are, you'll have your own private invitation. Thank God that He has made you an overcomer. Thank God for His lavish love on you. Thank God for His consolation. Thank God that you belong to Him. Just take a moment and worship and celebrate all that He is for you in this time of crisis. Let's pray. Father, we are very grateful to be your children today. Father, I thank you that you're in control and in charge and you're sovereign. And there's nothing all of hell and all of Satan and his demons can do about that. You are victorious. I want to pray, Father, there's someone who heard this message today. May the, may this, the speech, on the talk on the cross, the, the mention of the cross today, how much you loved us and how much you loved them would cause them and draw them to you. May that happen today. Father, I want to pray your peace on your people. Jesus, you said in John 14, 27, peace I give to you, not as the world gives. My peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Father, I know this has been a big disruption in our lives, but we're grateful we live in a country with the good medical care that we have. I want to pray, because this will be my only opportunity, I want to pray, Father, for the government continue to have the wisdom as they deal with this crisis. I pray for that. But most of all, Father, I pray you'll be made big. May your church make you big in this crisis. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.